thanks for downloading this podcast. podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by searching iTunes for Radio Le Mans or visiting RadioLeMans.com. Running Motorsport Magazine Show. Midweek Motorsport. News, features, special guests, and analysis from the experts. Formula One, sports car and endurance racing, rallying, touring cars and bikes. If it has wheels and an engine and they keep score, it's on Midweek Motorsport. Hello everybody and welcome along to Midweek Motorsport on the 25th of November. Yes, that's right. It's a month to Christmas. I was expecting a hooray there. Nah, I haven't worked how many bubbles are yet. <laughs> Bar humbug bubbles. Nick Damon playing the part of Scrooge. Thank you very much indeed. Yes. Well, with and weddings that were already going on. Yes, well, indeed so. Uh, and... <laughs> It's episode 46 in series 15. Oh, God, it's going to be one of those shows. Thank you for joining us. Uh, my name's John Hindove, and it is just after 8 o'clock in the UK. Up in London is our executive producer. Our ray of light and hope and joy and happiness is Tim Gray. Hello, Tim. Mm. Oh, no, 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 no. Don't do this. It's been dark all day today. Come on. Give me something to work with here. It has here. been dark all day. When I had lunch, I thought, I need to switch a light on in the kitchen because it's dark. Around here, everybody's lights that are light-controlled have been on since about half past ten this morning. Anyway, on a packed programme t- I can't believe I'm the one who's bubbly and happy. I'm supposed to be the dull northern bloke. Really? Well, it's still a month uh, on to a pack- Christmas, and I've got a birthday to fit in before that. On a packed programme tonight, Tim, we have what? Uh, well, John and Nick are going to tell me how they're going to celebrate my birthday, which is only 20 days away. <laughs> uh, plus in the dark, probably. In the dark, yes. It will definitely be in the dark. Uh, plus, we'll have uh, some news. and Excellent. Uh, we've got a big interview with James Bailey. Uh, we'll be joined by Nick Damon, who you may have heard already. And John DeGeese from Sportscar 365 as well. Oh, yes. We've got a lot of catching up to do with JD. Uh, and you on at Team and hello to Brody, who is laid under the 944, scraping all the old wax oil off. Oh, now, how northeastern is that? From a wax oil used to be made up on the banks of the River Tyne at one stage. That being a again. Porsche rather than a bus route. Uh, yes, indeed. Lying under, under the 944. completely different story. Now that's a fair point well made. Well done, you did make me laugh, well done. <laughs> I do remember going and getting a five-gallon drum of wax oil many years ago when my dad bought his very first car, in 19, new car in 1971, and then having to spray it and brush it on ourselves. We were convinced we were doing good. I'm not just here now. Um, <laughs> yeah. At Specutainment, please, if you wouldn't mind. 
Uh, Oliver Giles is uh, listening to his favourite radio show, but he's going to leave that in a moment and come on to Midway Motorsport while he studies for further exercise qualifications uh, <laughs> this evening. What have you been eating tonight? Well, Chris Suku uh, has enjoyed a wonderful sausage ragu. Uh, not the euphemism there. Uh, and with papadelle and a fruit Macedonia with super thick yoghurt. Once again, faffing during the show in the study. Excellent. Good stuff. Uh, we've had a particularly good... Uh, oh, yes. You are Mr. Creosote at the moment, aren't you? Well, I'm just yeah, I'm, I'm relaxing. I, 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 you know, I'm having a, bit of a, a lovely bit of duck uh, with, with uh, celeriac mash and some uh, cherry sauce. Uh, and then we had uh, a, well, a apple butter scotch trifle. So I'm very happy. Bradley's apples, in fact. Bradley's apples. Bradley's apples. Homemade custard, homemade butterscotch as well. Sorry, say again? You just kind of feel very West Country when you have the apples. Arr, Except they came from the North East, so about as far away. Why are you? Why are you the apples, like? Champion. Uh, in pit lane, uh, with apologies for absence, but saving the podcast to listen to on the long drive to Phillip Island for the first race meeting since March. Hashtag, hashtag good to be back. Kevin Payne is listening live after being out shopping for uh, for the neighbours. Well done, Kevin. Thank you for chipping in. Oh, and fish and chipping in, in fact. Uh, fish and chips this evening, larger portions, so the, cash, the cats rather can have uh, fish. Alex Orkin listening after a chicken and bolotti bean. Supper. Cessoir, very nice. Uh, thank you, Alex, for tuning in. Duflamon, no AFA, settling in to the man cave with a suitable beverage to catch up on the latest news and gossip and maybe a calendar uh, update. Uh, Shea Adam has uh, just bought herself a car and is driving her brand new Porsche 992 GT3 RS in Miami Blue back through. The Rockies, we're paying her too much, I reckon, really. It's just amazing. Really? The, fa- the fact she was going to specify the solid gold wheels as well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, take care, Shea. Take care. Uh, and uh, Chris, oh, we've mentioned Chris, sorry. Uh, and Fabian Zimmerman, about to tune in live for only the second time this, uh, with two years of podcasting behind me, should be good company for unpacking boxes says Fabi after moving. Fabi, where are you in the world? Let us know. And thank you for listening in tonight. Carol Brink uh, and Kevin, both of us overlooking Monterey Bay in California and tuning in. Uh, Matt Andy says, has Nick been fed lots of dessert to give him a sugar rush? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. It could get out of control. Dave Olcock. Uh, says uh, another one saying is Nick fueled on sugar for tonight uh, with you all the way through uh, tonight oh yes it's a big evening tonight a very big evening tonight Tim because it's not just midweek motorsport we have a triple bill for you a triple bill because uh, immediately after we finish in about two hours time uh, it's the November edition of the historic racing news radio show that's Paul and Paul uh, yes, and they've got some guests as well. Excellent. And, and if I could remember that, who they are, I'd tell you. I have a th- uh, Paul will be along to tell us in a little while. No, he won't. Oh, will he not? Okay. No. All right. Uh, and 
Uh, and then after that, uh, yep. you and Nick are rejoined by Declan Brennan. Yeah, settle back for that. It could be a late night. We're discussing World Superbikes, 11 p.m. UK tonight. Uh, that is. If you 6 have to go to work tomorrow, uh, phone in now and say you're going to be late. <laughs> um, it may take a wee while. I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. So join us then. Uh, hello to Right Turn Lover, catching up on the podcast uh, as well. Uh, uh, Michael Denny says, any ideas for this week's Euro Millions? You're normally great at motorsport predictions, so I thought I'd give it a try. Uh, Eve has already tweeted the numbers for Euro Millions, apparently. A uh, uh, lot of people saying that they're looking forward to hearing John De Geese tonight, uh, who will be joining us. Uh, for, I don't know how we're going to fit all of this in tonight, <laughs> to be honest. Jules Outy Bridge tuned in loud and turned up loud. Sorry, tuned in and turned up loud in the newsroom. Hello, Jules. Hope you're fitting well. Uh, keep doing the good work, sir. David Two Bruce, looking forward to the show, catching up with the collective. Evening all. Hello. As they've started to say now on uh, the BBC, I've noticed. Hello. Uh, <laughs> Eve has just tweeted the numbers and the bonus balls. And unsurprisingly, Jackie Warnock, hel- Jackie Warnock, hello Miss Jax, is laughing at the words bonus balls. Why? No clue. Must be an Australian thing. Sarah Rigby is tuned in, listening live. Looking forward to the historic news radio show. Uh, and the Australians can't the even spell lottery. Uh, and uh, Paul and Paul will be chatting about some books this evening, including the Rothko Collection books, which is a lot of people is it, are excited about. All the latest motorsport news from around the world. Midweek Motorsport. And before we get to our first news, Rob Chalmers uh, also with us uh, tonight, as well as well as Mickey Heth. Alan Prosser, uh, and many others. Add Specutainment if you want to get in touch. Top story tonight is what, Tim? I know you don't shuffle papers anymore, but, you know, I feel that's a part of what we say. So, you know, juggle your tabs or whatever you do now. Uh, it's all the fans' fault. Oh, really? Yes. Says who? Tony Canaan. Ah, so we're going to start with some US news, are we? We are indeed. Uh, Tony Kanaan uh, spent 2020 saying goodbye to IndyCar, racing a partial season on road courses only, uh, as he retired from uh, competitive motorsport. Uh, but next year he's coming back to do the oval races uh, because he says he didn't have a chance to say goodbye to fans properly this year. Well, in fairness, for quite a lot of the races, there were no fans there, Nick Dearman, and, no. and I kind of understand that. And it was said many times. We said it on this show. It, it, I feel a bit bad. It, it's a bit underwhelming, isn't it? I, I think I think Tony's got some things to prove. You know, after I overtook him uh, at Le Mans, um, you know, <laughs> I think that from that point he realised he had to go back to to full size racing and uh, do a couple more just to, just to wash that that terrible Man moment right out, out of his hair. Wash that terrible moment out of his life. Absolutely, yes. Yeah. So, uh, um, yeah, uh, yeah. I think he obviously obviously one of the most popular drivers in the IndyCar paddock didn't get a chance to have that final lap of honour with his fans so he's yeah. got a chance now at the four big oval events I, 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 and I, I kind of understand that I do and who's he going to be driving for Tim? He's going to be sharing a car with uh, retired NASCAR driver Jimmy Johnson 
Well, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago and wondered who might be doing the ovals because Jimmy has no interest in doing ovals. He's, yeah, he's gone round in circles for so many years, he only wants to go left and right now. He's, decided he's a road course boy, mm. not a good old boy. No, well, well very good. Say what you did there. Thank you. Say what you did. Very good. Uh, and so when will he be first in the car? Who? What event? TK? Uh, I believe the first uh, IndyCar oval race is Indy 500, isn't it? I thought it was one before. No, I think there's one before this year. Did, well, come on, Tim, you are calendar boy. Doesn't mean I really? read them. I just like them. <sighs> Did Neil Sedark ever do that song? Calendar boy. Calendar boy, yeah. I love, I love my little calendar boy. Probably wouldn't work now. <laughs> I think he needs to I do it I just for equality reasons. I think it would work fine now, actually. To be honest, yeah, at this point, it's fine. I think the 60s in May had more, more questions. Yes. <laughs> first and second of so. uh, May at Texas <laughs> Motor Speedway it. will be Tony Kanaan's first race. At what speedway? Texas Motor Speedway. I thought you said Sadaka Motor Speedway there for a moment. Sorry. Yes, yeah, so the Neil Sadaka Speedway in uh, Texas. It, there should be. There would. There should be a Neil Sadaka Speedway, shouldn't there? That's right. You'd have turn 16, wouldn't it? Very good. Uh, it's been a surreal last few days. Things, this thing's happened so quickly, uh, said uh, Tony Kanaan. You added the L-Y there, didn't I you? I did, Because yes. past participles aren't a thing. Well, I needed an adverb, world. and there was no uh, adverb, adverb in that sentence. Uh, it was completed a week ago. I, I keep saying it's probably one of the best opportunities of my career. Uh, this is him talking about uh, potentially winning the Indy 500 for a second time in 2021. I find it very interesting, and I did. And I'm, I'm, I know what Jeremy Shaw said about this when we had him on the program talking about this a few weeks ago, about you know, are you going to do it or are you not going to do it? And I understand people who don't want to do ovals, particularly if you've done ovals for all the rest of your career, Nick. But you'd think that Jimmy Johnson would want to do the Indy 500. I, I find that interesting. Perhaps he's had a conversation with Mrs. Johnson, and she said, "Yes, you can do that, young man, but you, um, but this is this is your kind of your 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 lap of honour, and let's not take too many risks." Yeah. Okay. You know, because if, it, if, it, if it, I know these days things are safer than they've ever been, but if you're going to have a, if you're going to hurt yourself, it's much more likely to happen at one of the ovals than the tracks. I'm not sure. Mm. Right. Yeah. Well, no, I'm not going to get into that. No. I'm not going to get into that discussion now because. Honestly. Yeah. Go on. Yeah. All right. Moving on. And it's not just a one-year deal either, so we could be oh. seeing uh, Tony Kanaan in 2022 as well. It's a 19-year deal. He's, he's signed through to 2040, uh, just to make sure he, he, we, we see him forever. And then he's, then that he, he gets dance, a good send-off. He does Dancing with the Stars. Again. Yeah. Again. Oh, no, that was, was Elio. Yeah. He's... Uh, yeah. he's said that he won't be racing once he turns 50. Which is when? Well, he's 45 now. Uh, Alan Prosser says, let's be honest, it wouldn't take Tony Kanan very long to wash anything out of his hair. Sauce with milk for Alan. Get you. Uh, and by the way, on very camp, very quickly. Didn't yes, uh, uh, yes. Oh, stop! The we all saw the Kenneth Williams, Williams special. Didn't yes, we? it was <laughs> matron now. Um, uh, and stop by the way, there. at Radio Le Mans, Hewitt has just posted a phenomenal 
um, subs offer from Motorsport Magazine, which he promised, which she promised last week on her motors on her Christmas list. Three issues for three pounds and a free gift. Cool. So there you go. Uh, at Radio Le Mans. Uh, there's a link there, by the way. Uh, you're listening to Midweek Motorsport. It's the 25th of November. It's Series 15, episode number 46. And Tim Gray is going to take us where on the next uh, week? Did we mention item? that uh, it was Chippy Ganassi Racing he was going to be with? Yes, you did. Yes. Uh, who and thinks... All right, go sorry, on. go ahead. No, no, no you go. go. No, 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 no. Who thinks Kevin Magnussen would be a great IndyCar driver? Kevin Magnussen. Jan Magnussen. Yes, Neither of one. them, no. Someone, d- Lego, because they're Danish as well. And Pandora, they're Danish. Other Danish things. Pastries. Bacon. Bacon, yes. Bacon. A selection of Danish pastries are backing Kevin Magnussen. Kasper Schmeichel. Oh, good one, yeah. I think, is he still Danish? Was he now because he was born in the UK? I don't know. Okay. He still plays for Does he? Denmark. Danish. Oh, cool. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Is it, is it uh, Mag- Mag- um, Ericsson? I thought his first name. Magnus? No. Yeah, the, the Eric's the one who was driving in F1 a couple of years ago. What's his name? What's his Marcus. First name? See, I had his first name. Sorry. Marcus Ericsson. That Marcus, thank you. I could only think of the Spurs, the guy who used to play for Spurs there for a <laughs> not moment. Not Sven Goran Eriksson. Then. No, not very good. But is it, another is it, is, is it, Yes, it's Sweden's to? Marcus Eriksson. Oh! Oh, 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 oh! Half a memory there. Half yeah, a point. very good. He said, Kevin's in the same situation as me when I ended my Formula 1 career. It's not just really hard to show what you can do when you're a team that's not at the top. IndyCar's well, a series where the driver makes a much bigger difference. Of course, there are different sizes of teams. Some have more money than others, but it depends more on the driver than Formula 1, and that was a big motivation. I don't think he's necessarily untrue, but I would also say I think Kevin's a better driver than he was. So I'm not happen. convinced oh, by that, no. Kevin Magnus is a better driver than Marcus Ericsson. By I, no, mile. not at all. I, oh. Oh, I, well, I would... Absolute. I would say Kevin is scrap fifty percent better scrap, than, than scrap, Marcus scrap, was. Scrap. If no, Kevin no Magnuson's father wasn't Jan Magnuson, he wouldn't have gone anywhere near motor racing. Well, that's the same for Jacques Villeneuve and um, Nico Rosberg and Damon Hill. So that doesn't, that's not an argument. As a driver, if, if my Kevin dad has had been Graham Hill, I would have been a racing driver. Really? Yeah. Oh, well done. Yeah. <laughs> As a driver, Kevin has a rather aggressive style, and that will suit IndyCar well, said Ericsson. The series caters yep. to aggressive drivers, which is why I think Kevin fits in so well. That's right. Drivers it, it, that take it, no prisoners. Is what he's saying there is, I'm not that aggressive, that's why I've not done very well. Is that the underlying... He's not done badly, he's just not really broken out. I mean, Felix Rosenquist is the only person from Scandalweed who's done particularly well over there. Kenny Breck? He's done. Yeah, I'm Breck. talking now, sorry. Yeah. Now, obviously, historically, the others. Mm-hmm. Oh, the pedants are out tonight, aren't they? <laughs> uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, Kevin Madison said, I always thought IndyCar was super cool and I'd love to have a go in that sometime. Ever since he was a young boy? Uh, but and it doesn't look easy to get good drive. deals over there. I'm not saying no. I'm not saying it's impossible. It just looks too difficult. And now, am I reading too much? And I do like Kevin and Jan very much, but am I reading too much between that is to say... They're not offering me enough money. No, I think they're. I think they're, I think they're saying bring some sponsors with you. Yes, ah. he does. He wants. I'm not sure if he wants to get. I'm sure he wants to get paid, whether it's by the sponsor or by the team. He said he wants to bring money. That's for sure. So if Jimmy Johnson, who has won the NASCAR championship seven times, is only getting to IndyCar because he's bringing a sponsor, and Scott McLaughlin, who's coming out of 
five times. Lots of supercar victories. Supercar victories is going to IndyCar and bringing a sponsorship deal with him. Mm-hmm. Kevin Magnussen is coming over from Formula One and bringing... Well, Kevin does have what, personal an sponsors. Pair, an old pair know, of overalls? A couple of personal sponsors, but he's, he needs to go round, round to, to Copenhagen, knocking on the door of Lego. That would be wonderful. And Pandora. It would be wonderful, wonderful to work out Copenhagen. That's it. Have a word with uh, Pandora, who I still keep being surprised at, are Danish, and Lego, and other well-known Danish organisations, and try and pick up a... Uh, who is it used to... Denblar Avis used to sponsor Jason Watt. They, they've got nothing to do these days. Denblar Avis, absolutely. Uh, Alan Prosser says, don't forget Sandy Toxvig, who's Danish. Is she? Yes, she is. Yes, she is. Yes, yeah. right, yeah. very good. Again, she's lived in the UK for 40-something years now. So Rob Chalmers says, Kevin's not in the same situation as Ericsson. He's actually got some talent. Thank you very much. Yeah. You're all wrong. Well, yeah, And I'll be proven right nice. when Kevin Magnussen goes to IndyCar in 2023 and is awful. Well, we'll as see. awful as he has been in the Haas. Oh. Well, let's wait. Well, well I will we don't cover know. this in the season review. We don't know how good or bad the Haas is. Terrible. Okay, we do then. It's terrible. And if it's you also say it's terrible, a terrible combination fine. of drivers as well. Grosjean and Eric, uh, Ericsson. Grosjean and Magnus are both good drivers, but they're a bad combination. And, and they're not development drivers. No. And by then the again, way, that next car's year. car's not been developed. I was going to say, and next year. I'm sure it's, co- it's coming up, isn't it? Isn't that coming up about next oh, year, sir? Yeah, right. And also, we haven't got that subject yet because I've not said anything. Okay. So we talk about IndyCar. We're going to continue talking about IndyCar because uh, we have some uh, sponsors who've renewed uh, in IndyCar, including the title sponsor, NTT. Hurrah! And well done for... Actually, do you know what? As much as we sometimes are a bit flippant on this programme... What? I know. <laughs> I know, it's hard to believe. Very well done for getting that deal done and as they say on many many programs at the moment getting it across the line (sighs) which i really hate but but uh, it's quite appropriate for motorsport well it is indeed um i i think they've done a good job to convince ntt that there's a need for them to be there now it's not as if they were sponsored by an airline who wouldn't have the money no but even so you've got to say that that's well done. Yep, 100%. Mm. Uh, this from Rob Chalmers. Uh, Kevin, <laughs> the quote from that uh, Tim Rod read out from Magnuson. Kevin, it's not impossible. Then again, I managed to be Grosjean's teammate for so many years without any psychotic breakdown, so nothing is impossible. That is true. And impossible is nothing. It, it will, yes. Yes, very good. Very good. Uh, right, moving on. Uh, a little bit later, we'll be talking about a former uh, double IndyCar champion. Uh, but this year's IndyCar <laughs> Rookie of the Year, Montoya, I mean. Oh, right, oh, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. This yeah, year's, yeah. This year's Rookie of the Year, who I've completely forgotten. Readers VK, wasn't it? It was, yes. What does VK stand for? Oh, it's a really long, long, very, it's very nice. He's been very nice and shortened a very difficult Dutch name for us in, us uh, native English speakers, hasn't he? So it's not Ven Gatteran, and he's bowling uh, Googly's left arm over the wicket from the pavilion end then? No. Ven Cat? No. Go on. Van Kunthout. Yes, absolutely. Sounds like there could be a number of places where they could go horribly wrong, but keep going. <laughs> uh, he said he's good enough for Formula One, but he prefers to stay in America. 
It's amazing, isn't it? There's a vast amount of saying I'm good enough for Formula One. What, well, you're not being offered the well, opportunity you're not to go for Formula One. And then you moan you're not in Formula One, saying I'm good enough, and it's... Yeah. I, I, I believe he has been offered the opportunity, uh, but he preferred to spend his money uh, where he got Ah. More out of his I money. I don't know who, where, where would this money have been? Op- where would he have been offered opportunity? And tell me what teams offered the opportunity. Well, and besides which, that's Fritz van Aert's money. And also, more importantly, he hasn't got super license points. And it's not, Fritz van Aert's money. Yes, and it's not happening. So that's uh, we can all make stuff up, but he hasn't got super license points. There's no team that will want him. So I'm not having a go at him here. I'm having no, a go no, at no, this no, reporting. No. Um, there's 20 seats. They're all taken. Perez, with a bunch of cash, hasn't got one at the moment. So, you know. Can I just say, I think I'm good enough for Formula One, but I'm quite happy where I am right now. Oh, that's good. I'm pleased to know that. That's, that's right. good news. Because, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I'm not going to argue the point about that, obviously. you know. No, I'm, I'm very happy where I am <laughs> right now. <laughs> Sitting down. With trifle coming. Oh, yeah, good point. Mm-hmm. Um, look, Rinsley <laughs> had a very good, very good first year. He looked, no, way, been he, brilliant. He looked very wayward, and then he got it all together and, and put in an excellent season but I don't think that shall we get him on the show be lovely yeah why not because I'm sure Nelson can fi- fix that up and I know Nelson listens so um, I we'll see if we can get VK on the show I think we probably know uh, another Dutch person who might be involved in his PR as well uh, okay cool uh, moving on to a different single seater championship mm-hmm. uh, and this is uh, Formula Alex Formula, Formula Alex. Alex, okay, go on. Uh, because the Mahindra Formula E team has announced yes. its uh, driver lineup, and yes. they're not—they're not both called Alex. One of them is Alex, no. the other one is Alexander. Alexander, that's right, Alexander mm. Sims. You never call him Alex Sims, do you? No. You do not. Alexander Sims and Alex Lynn. So uh, yeah, two very well, quite experienced Formula E drivers and quite experienced uh, across the gamut. They've obviously both done WEC and GTE Pro. At various events. Uh, I'm, I'm actually, I, I have to think very carefully about what I'm going to say about Alexander Sims. Go on. Because I thought he was going to be doing something else next year. He Did might be doing both. Of something else. Uh, yes, he might he's, be doing He's both. someone who's done many other things in the past. Remember, he's a Macau Grand Prix winner. He's a GP3 champion. He's a Sebring winner. He's a Le Mans 24-hour Winner. He's very good. Uh, he's a multiple race winner in GP2. Not being as good with the beard, I don't think. Well, it's not a surprise, is it? Who won a race with facial hair? Not many. No. Um, yeah, I, mean, I think Alexander, he's a, he's, he's a very, very versatile driver. I mean, Formula E is a difficult formula because, you, it, as has been shown by the complete lack of success of a couple of very, very good, and I'll say British drivers, because obviously James Collado's had no success. Uh, Ollie Turvey also had no success as well because if you're in the wrong car with the wrong drivetrain, you've got no chance to begin with, and you just slowly sink backwards, and people think you're rubbish. When there's a, unfortunately, it's not quite as one make and all all even as people think it is. And uh, Sam Bird only ever finished second, despite being, I well think, I think <laughs> he's, he's top well out of that. I think he's he's the best Formula E driver there is. Oh no, I don't agree with that at all. No, I think he's the one who... I think Sebastian Boemi is a better driver than him. I think Andre Lotter is a better driver than him. I think uh, Antonio Felix de Costa is a better driver than him. I think he's the one who's... But in an E-car? He he was very quick to work out how to drive um, that car compared with driving uh, 
combustion engine actually, car. And, and Lucas Degrassi as well, actually. I mean, I'm, 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 just, I'm, I'm going to rephrase. I don't think they're better. I think they're, they're as on a level. There's a group on a level. I think he is the driver who, I'll rephrase what I said, I think he's the driver who understands the formula better than anybody else mm. and who drives the car the best in terms of how he how he marshals the uh, uh, recovery systems and, and things like that. I think he's the one who, I think he got to it the fastest, I think he understood it the best, and I still think he's the best at doing it. I'm not going to have an argument about it because you might well be right. I haven't got Because the, they I, are I, very, I, very I, technical cars no, no, to I drive. Haven't, I haven't got the, the, the data on it. And it, it is sometimes you sit there going, well, what? And you find out yeah, the, the, the cars aren't. It's not a one make series. It's the, That's the thing. Mm. Everyone thinks it's a one make series and everyone's got an equal chance. It just doesn't work that way with the, with the multiple powertrains. It's just three or four probably there's three or four teams who have a, who have a equal chance each time it's not always the same three or four teams depending how that works i think yeah that's that's a, both a, a plus point of formula e and a disadvantage of people looking in from the outside because you just go oh barry's rubbish because he's always last yes but barry's driving for neo who are, who are three years not behind drive train. yeah is that formula barry yeah yeah barry and baz no. yeah because yeah, you can't baz. call Baz is never going to make it. Is right. that what we can... Oh, uh, because next year, of course, Formula E becomes a world championship. It, it does, does yeah. So Absolutely. is that part of the sporting regulations that you have to have two drivers who have the same name but actually don't have the same name? Right. We'll come on to that because oh, Mahindra's right. so test, and test and reserve driver uh, does is not called Alex. No. He's called What's Nick. He called? Uh, he's not going to last, is he? Nick what, Yearly? Heidfeld. Heidfeld? Is Sorry, I thought, I thought I thought he was long with his feet up and his pipe on. Well, he doesn't get a lot of opportunities as test and reserve driver, uh, which means he's now it? been promoted to test and reserve driver and special advisor. Um, special advisor to the team. To Mahindra. The World Health Organization. What special advice do you think he's giving them? Well, he's probably giving beard <laughs> advice to uh, Alexander Sims. Yeah, by the way, Alexander, Cut your this beard. is the best beard oil you'll find. Yeah, cut your beard. Um, right, add specutainment for, for a full grid of Formula E World Championship for the first time next year, but only with drivers who are teammates who have the same name but haven't got the same name. So Alex and Alexander, so you could have Sam and Samuel. You can have Sebastian and Seb. Yeah, absolutely. Real drivers. Andre only. and Andrew. Who? Andre and Andrew. Oh, very good. And oh, Oliver no, and Olivier. Oh, Ooh, excellent. Very You're very good. good at this, Tim. We should have left it to you, really. We should have <laughs> left this game to you. Uh, see if we can get a full grid before the end of the show. Which brings us on to uh, the Neo Triple Three team. Yes, uh, which uh, who promised it not as bad as before. Who already announced uh, Oliver Turvey as one of their drivers. And yesterday announced the second driver would be. Second driver, I don't know. Oliver Turvey and I don't know. Oh, oh, no, I've lost it. Go for it. Tell me, tell me. I'm going to feel. I'm going to kick myself. Olivier Blomquist. No, I'm not going to kick Olivier Blomquist. Tom Blomquist, obviously. Oh, Tom Blomquist. Sorry, you're being clever. Mm. <laughs> don't be clever. Spelt Olivier. Yes. Pronounced Olivier. Right. Pronounced none Olivier. of that in your entertainment, please. Real names. Mm. Moving on. Do you not want to talk about Tom Blomqvist at all? No. Uh, Tom's all right. But Tom Blomqvist, Formula BMW driver, former Formula Renault. BMW driver, Renault. Renault didn't he? Yeah. He's fine. 
you know, no, he's good. Sticks, he's, uh, yeah, he's one of a vast raft of drivers who are good. Another British driver in the series? He's, he's, he's British, isn't he? He's he is British. Although he wasn't born in Britain, where was he born? Sweden? New Zealand. No, he's born. Was he really? I was going to say he was born somewhere strange, yeah. Yeah. Apologies to any Kiwis listening for John saying that your country is strange. I think they'd agree and they'd be happy about it. I didn't say it was strange. Yes, you did. You said he was born somewhere strange, New Zealand. All right. Dear Tech Cheetah are the reigning champions. Yes, they are. Uh, and they have Jean-Éric Verne and Antonio Felix de Costa for yes. the first two events. Anthony and Antonio. Why is the first two two events? It's a good question. I think they've got those drivers all year. <laughs> they're just going to change their car after the first two events. This is very bad. Yes, that written, was the, the news. Is they're starting with last year's drivetrain, and then they're going to upgrade to the new drivetrain in when, uh, for the third round, which is several months away, isn't it? Because they're starting a couple of never break. Oh, they're coming on already. Peter Bester. Hello, Peter. Petter Solberg and Peter Dumbreck. James Hinchcliffe and Jimmy Johnson. Ooh, very good. Very good. Already. Can we put those to teams as well, please? I'd like to put them next to teams so that we have a full a full, full grid, grid by full the grid, end. Yeah, and ideally, one of the people should already be in the team. Yes. Uh, I I should already should be a Formula E driver. So if you so if you want Diaz to Cheetah, right? So you can either have Sebastian Bramey and then a Seb or you could have Antonio Felix de Costa and a Tony. Yeah, and so Tony Canan could have gone with Antonio Felix de Costa, you see. Well, he's got only four races in on yeah. the ovals, as we've heard, so that's pretty good. Uh, yeah, meanwhile, like in um, the Sister Series Extreme E, yeah. uh, they've announced Jamie Chadwick. Will, Jamie uh, Chadwick, who, who's driving with James Collado. Yes. Oh, is she really? No. Oh. <laughs> but, but you see? Yes, even better, that would be. There you go. You see where we're going with this? It's excellent, this one. This, this, yeah, this is going to yeah. run and run. Gender neutral. She's Well, they have to be in uh, Extreme yes, E. One that's that's one in the rules. I mean, John, John's giving me the, of course I knew that look. With lots of arm waving. Uh, work on radio, but I feel I feel I feel I feel unworthy now. Rob Chalmers says, "Can we have John 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 G O H N John G O N and Jean G G E E J E A N? Yes. Yes. Max Verstappen and Massimiliano Bernard Biaggi. No, no, it has to be someone who has to be somebody already in Formula One. One of the drivers has to be one of the team members. Yeah, and then you go from there. Yeah. Get onto the Formula E website and start working. Come on, Collective, you can do it. The uh, <laughs> delighted for um, Jimmy Chadwick. She's been testing the Formula Extreme car in a secret location in France. Been out in the car. Meantime, United Autosport have been out in Wales testing their car. It's real. What's it's happening? No, 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 in the forest. It's cross-country, remember? Mm. There, there are five venues which are all different landscapes. So there's a forest oh. one, there's a mountain one, there's a desert one. Um, there's an Arctic one and there's something else. Aren't they all else. under threat as well? Yes. Yes. What do you mean they're under threat? Their habitats are under threat. And they're kind so of it's Brazilian so rainforest and Nepalese mountain and Greenland for the Arctic well, it's electric tundra. Race. Yes. And we got, we it's we it's got an electric e- race with a huge great freighter burning the thickest, worst diesel you could possibly do. And the output from that one ship is 50 million cars output in a year. 
Anyway, also apparently, uh, Nico Rosberg's got a team as well as Lewis Hamilton. Hurrah! That's right, Are they yes. driving? No, they're, not no, they're team owners. Okay. And did you say it was a secret location in like France that she was testing at? Yeah, I think so. It's Fort Jean Coups. Ah, right, okay. Well, there you go. It's more, is it? Not <laughs> it's badly kept secret. There you go, badly kept secret. <laughs> Useless. <laughs> <laughs> Tim knows everything. That's the problem, isn't it? Tim's great. Uh, and the second test will be at uh, Motorland Aragon. For them? For that team, yes, for the Veloce yeah. team. She's I managed by Veloce, of course, so it would make sense for her to be in that team. I wonder where United are going next, because they were down in Wales. I would have thought they would have stayed somewhere in North York if they'd wanted to do a bit of forest testing. Uh, North York's got rainforest. Or maybe well, no, neither has Wales, in fairness. No, True. but in England at the moment, they're supposed to be doing that sort of thing. Don't forget Wales is in a different situation as far as lockdown's concerned. Ah, that's a fair point, my mate. Is it not essential? There we go. This is a good one. What? Uh, McLaren Philadelphia. Nick DeVries, who of course is a Formula E driver. Yeah. Nicky Katzberg with a test driver, Nicky Minaj. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> oh, see, see, McLaren Philadelphia have now moved that on completely to make your <laughs> test driver just somebody famous <laughs> from anywhere. Random. Random famous person who has a similar name. Yeah, very so, good. So, therefore, obviously, with Alex Lillian Alexander, it seems you've got Alec Guinness because he could use the force to drive. And for, we'd have to and because he's, he's Alec. dead. He's Alec with a C, so oh, he's different again. very good. I see what you've done there. <laughs> Being dead not, not a problem with it. But Nicki Minaj is differently as well. I know, she's got That's actually with perfect. An eye. Yeah, she's got an yeah. I. Yeah. Because Nicky Katzberg's with a Y. Nick DeFries is just Nick. Yeah. Very good. So that's perfect. McLaren Philadelphia has now started. They're doing very, very well. It's expanded now. At Specutainment, please. Moving on. <laughs> uh, who's got no hard feelings about uh, not having a Formula E drive this season? Lewis Hamilton. No, it's someone who was uh, racing for BMW and they dumped him. Uh, uh, Muller. No. Uh, Gunter, what's his name? Um, very small name. Sorry. Eng. Philip Eng is correct, yeah. <laughs> Philip Eng, well done. <laughs> Brilliant clue that was. <laughs> and of course, he's got three P's in his name, so you could put him with a Philip with one P or a Philippe with an E on the end. Yeah, very yeah, good. Very good, yeah. Uh -huh. yeah. But he's not in a team, so you can't use him. No, you but can't. No, he could be paired with a, paired with a, is there another is Philip? I don't know. Right, okay. Get on the Formula E website. We're going to crash their website, aren't we? This <laughs> is going to be Absolutely. the most they've ever had on their Free website. Three visits, top yeah. as ever. Excellent stuff. Uh, moving on. Uh, let's talk. I about really think we need to move on. We now. do we need to really move on. Really must move on. I, I want to talk about bikes. Okay. Right. Uh, and a story that we didn't have time to bring you a couple of weeks ago about yep. Supersport. Mm. Yes. Uh, because there are changes to the rules coming to Supersport. And the times they are a changing. Very much so. And this is yeah. as a result of uh, collaboration between the FIM and Dorna and uh, MSVR. And yep. this new rule set is coming to the UK next season uh, for the Supersport uh, Championship that supports the British Superbike Series and then will be rolled out to support World Superbikes in 2022. Right. Uh, and have you seen... Have you, uh, this, this is really very, very interesting. Yes. Because, basically... They're responding you and to the market... It's all about the market. So we've been talking, and indeed later on tonight, in fact, we yes. will be talking about World Superbike. 
And so let's get this out of the way now so it doesn't clutter up what we're talking about tonight. This is all about the market and super sport, which always used to be, in terms of racing, was um, down at sort of 600 to 750. It was, it's been 600 across the frame fours. Production-based, you were allowed to have um, twins, I think, up to 800 cc. Correct. Was it, was it yeah. a 675 for 675 triples? 675 that's, what, that's, cylinder, that's yeah. what Triumph had. And is it, is it 750 for, for twins? It is, yes. Okay. Uh, but that's obviously the thing is that the market for Supersport 600 has died on its backside um, across the whole of Europe. It, when it used to be by far the, the biggest sellers back 20 years ago. And basically what, what Dorna, who are the people who look after World Superbikes, uh, and the British Superbike... Um, they are bringing an evolution of the world supersport class, and they're trying it out first in British supersports. And what they're doing is, so you'll be able to go up to, is it nearly a thousand cc for a twin now, Tim? So you can have the Panigale. You can have a road-going version of the Panigale. Uh, it doesn't say that in the press release. It um, just says that it's seven. It's seven six. It's seven six five. So it's the triple. Which seven is six five for triple and nine five five for twin. Nine fifty five for which twin. Which is the Panigale. Which is the Panigale. Uh, the lower one. Yeah, the the, the smaller version. So, so, they, so are they actually using the Moto Two engine? Well, that that was I I I did get in touch with Triumph today to see if they would come on and talk about this, and they haven't come back to us. So we're going to try and get them on in the next couple of weeks. I'm intrigued about this. I think uh, that. The, I think it's really interesting, as Tim says, it's market-driven and they're trying it out first before they're all in a national series in the UK, which I think is very interesting, um, with the idea that they will roll that out into World Super Sports at some stage in the near future. And of course, they're, very, very they're doing it to try and get the number of new manufacturers correct. in and it's worked already because you mentioned Triumph just now. They announced uh, yesterday that they will be entering yes. the British Championship in 2021. With a factory-supported team. Yes, it's that, going to be that's run... That's also quite um, important. As a factory-supported team. I, in Supersport. Yes. Is it, is it still 600 or 400, though? Yes. Because uh, they get blown away by a, six, a 765 Wait a triple. Wait a minute. I did. I, I I was reading all about this earlier on, and I thought it was really interesting. And I've managed to lose the page that I was looking at. Tim, you've probably got that, but um, the, the four cylinders, I think now they need to be bigger. These six sixty or six seventy five. I think this. I think it is. Well, I don't know. I'd be guessing. But yeah, because I mean, because yes, you bring in more manufacturers. But let's you, if you the point about the World Superbikes and British Superbikes is they are based on loosely to to completely depending on which part of the division is on production motorcycles whereas moto 3 2 and, and moto gp are prototypes they are pure racing machines whereas the superbikes and British bikes are adaptive road machines now because of that you have to look at what the, the the trends are for actual sales of sports bikes and the smaller categories the, the, the leader bikes are fine they, 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 they're they right they're saying it less than they did but everyone's still happy to bring a new one out every four or five three or four years you know and, and because they have a marketplace at the top of the sports market the what used to be the the entry point which was the 600 has been kind of replaced now by um more 
road orientated machine which tend to be nakeds and that sort of thing with the 800 and, and ktms a little bit more user friendly i'd say you'd say and, and and people who who want a sports bike will, will pick up the thousand so they need to look at the area where there are uh, manufacturers making bikes and that's ducati who have a smaller version of panigale which i think is 919 actually i think cc oh that's a problem um, um, i think you know, don't quote me because I, i'm a bit out, a bit out of um, sorts on the, on road bikes, uh, sports bikes, and obviously the, the uh, well, Triumph. You like me, are built for comfort, not for speed. So now, yeah, Nick. now, yes, give me lots more CC and lots more torques. Um, but uh, yeah, so they, um, they, yeah, I think I think it's a very a very good idea because you know you, if you're going to have a production based environment, you need to you know attract the people who are actually producing the the bikes. Mm. I, I'm very interested in that. We'll come back to that in a couple. Uh, of weeks. Hello to Fair Use is on the beach road listening uh, to uh, Midweek Motorsport uh, and the IMSA show. Ooh, not sure uh, what IMSA show you. Now, where is that Fair Use? You're obviously in the US and that is a very big, long bridge that you are going across bridge. at the moment. One, one way, one the other way. I'm very impressed by that. Uh, and. Uh, McLaren Philadelphia says 20 US dollars to anyone who can work out a pairing with Stoffel van Dorn. <laughs> Very good. Uh, yeah. Uh, Max Gunther and Massimilio Biaggi, says Alan Prosser. Um, and uh, Michael Denny says, don't mean to call you out, but the Captain Extreme Burgi ship St. Helena's engines have gener and generators have been fully refurbished and converted, allowing the ship to run on low sulfur marine diesel. Not green hydrogen, mind you. Yes, but even marine diesel is so thick you can still walk across it. But uh, mine is not the reason why. I think if we start looking for levels of hypocrisy in, the, in things that say they are green, oh, we'd don't. have a 17-hour show, John. No, okay, yeah, absolutely. Right. Uh, Alexander Orkin says, with no more petrol or diesel engines uh, and new cars from 2030, how do you see motorbike racing developing? Well, we have seen electric motorcycles, and I've seen electric motorcycles going up uh, Pikes Peak. Yeah. We've seen them racing around the Isle of Man TT course for and a, a decade racing now. Racing MotoGP package. Formula, formula, and in fact, some of their riders have been getting uh, picked up as well to get into Moto2, haven't they, mm. for next year. Uh, at Specky Tim, if you'd like... raced an electric bike around the Isle of Man... Yeah, yeah. Uh, 37 miles. Uh, lots of things going on tonight. Historic racing uh, news, radio show, and indeed our World Superbike Review with Declan Brennan joining us later on. Uh, and tomorrow, Tora Radio Show. We'll tell you about that in a little while. But first, here's Krilzy to tell us about On The Grid. This week on The Grid, Shell V-Power Racing Team boss Ryan Story is our special guest as the team reverts to Dick Johnson Racing in 2021 following six years of partnership with Team Penske. Story talks about how quickly the team managed the transition to their 2021 plans, their two new drivers, a whole raft of topics about Gen 3, the new supercar regulations, and the challenging season just gone. After a lengthy half an hour chat, we then talk to the boss of the Australian Motor Racing Series, who's bringing racing back to Melbourne for the first time since March this year. And then we break down the ownership changes in the Australian Racing Group and what that means, and all the supercar silly season chatter, and a whole heap more. It's On The Grid, your Aussie look at all the motorsport news and views, 9pm Thursday night UK time on RS1. Well, it's been a very, very busy week or so for news from 
uh, America, uh, and I'm talking about motorsport news here rather than anything else. Let's not even get started on that. Let's catch up with some IMSA news uh, with John DeGeese, the man who founded Sports Car 365. Uh, welcome to the show. Good evening, John, and uh, happy Thanksgiving week, sir. Yeah, thanks. Um, it's a strange week. You know, I guess every week's sort of strange right now <laughs> in this lockdown period. But um, it's it's crazy to think we're already at Thanksgiving, but we're only about 60 days until the Rolex 24. And the, the season only ended a couple of weeks ago. I, I at the end of uh, at the end of Sebring, I remember seeing on the broadcast on IMSA radio that, you know, it's seven weeks or whatever it was uh, at that point. And then she said, no, no, it's not seven weeks before the Raw because it's been pushed back. Oh, yeah, that's an extra two weeks. So, yes, it was nine <laughs> weeks. Um, obviously, um, there's not going to be, because of the situation, as, as you've mentioned, there's not going to be the usual get-together uh, in early December for IMSA teams to do a bit of testing and such like, although they are allowed to do some of their, uh, some testing of, of their own. Um, but that hasn't stopped the, the news rolling in. In fact, just after the show last week, and I'm, I'm just going to go through these uh, in roughly chronological order, John, if you don't mind. Um, sure. MSR, Cameron, uh, confirmed uh, for the for the DPIs. Uh, that came in last week. Uh, Dragon Speed with Eric Lux in LMP2 uh, for the Rolex and Max Angelelli going to Delara in a new senior level no- role, which explains why um, we, we lost Max from our paddock. Take those three in, in any order you want to start with, just as a, a, bit, of a bit of a background. Yeah, so a bit of a, a development there with Max Angelelli. We had heard that he had left Wayne Taylor Racing in the summer, um, having, having sold his interest in the company. He had a 49% share, uh, according to Wayne, and um, he basically packed everything up and, and went home very quickly. And people were initially concerned. You know, he had a, a bout with cancer last year. Um, he was out of the paddock for a little while, and luckily he overcame that. But I think there were some concerned people about wondering, wh- why did he make this change so sudden? And I finally was able to catch up with him um, around the Sebring weekend, and he revealed that he's working with Delara now, and he sort of had this very narrow window of opportunity to go take this job, and right. he couldn't keep his um, ownership duties at WTR, especially with them going over to Acura and with the Orica. Mm. Um, based chassis, they uh, decided um, he decided to to take up this offer, you know, quite immediately, and that's why it was done in such a quick and kind of stealthy fashion. Because I don't think a lot of people even knew that he 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 sold his shares in the company until a few months after the fact. But nonetheless, Max was at Sebring um, over the the season finale weekend, wearing a Delara shirt, um, talking with um, teams, um, supporting. Uh, the, the the Cadillac uh, DPI operation there um, on behalf of the, the chassis constructor and also, more importantly, discussing with potential OEMs both on the, the LMDH and uh, Lamar hypercar front. Um, he right. said there's a lot of interest right now, just like we've, we've heard from Orica as well, that there's um, still quite a bit of interest on, on the DPI LMDH front for 2022-2023. Uh, and also he confirmed that Delara is open to building an LMH car as well, which is quite an interesting development uh, and, and do do we think that will still have the same kind of I'm, I'm, we're getting off track straight away so this is good <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, this is bad when you and i haven't caught up for a while do we think that that time scale is still um is still relevant in terms of of bringing in these new regulations both in imsa and in the the aco the wac series i think it'll be realistic for 2023 i i don't think we'll be seeing any 
for sure we won't be seeing any full season cars in 2022. We may see a manufacturer or, or, or a team debut on the second half of the 2022 season, either in WEC or in IMSA. But I think that'll be more of a development debut per se, and where the car will be allowed to run alongside the existing machinery, maybe unclassified even. I, I don't know, but it's just mm. speculation on my part. But I, I think what we're looking at is a full season debut in 2023. And Max um, sort of indicated that now that it's been sort of declared that's probably the case, um, it gives manufacturers some extra time to pre be prepared. So um, definitely there's still a lot of optimism, even though we're in, still in the middle of this pandemic and a lot of financial uncertainty, um, there's still a lot of optimism for the future and in, in, in top level prototype racing globally. Uh, and and some good news stories, as we mentioned, uh, Dan Cameron going to Acura mm -hmm. with Michael Shank, Eric Lux uh, being the first uh, driver confirmed for Dragon Speed. And of course, that's in LMP2, which I, I kind of feel sorry a little bit for LMP2 this year because it looked like it was going to get a bit of a renaissance with the the uh, protocols that, that IMSA put in place at the start of the season. And, and COVID rather, rather slowed that down a bit. Yeah, it has for, for this year, but next year in LMP2 is looking a bit better. Mm. Um, by my count, we could have up to eight cars on the grid for Daytona, which would be incredible. The full season count doesn't look as good right now. I think we're only looking at two or three. Um, we know PR1 Matheson will be, will be back um, alongside a new entry from K2R, the reigning IMSA prototype challenge champions. They're going to be stepping up with an Orica for the full season as well. Um, but like you said, with Dragon Speed committing for Daytona with Eric Lux, that's great news. Um, Dragon Speed is going to be going for its third consecutive victory at the Rolex 24 um, with different lineups, I think, each, each of those years. Um, I, I presume that um, uh, Hendrick Hedman will, will not be part of this program, although it hasn't been confirmed. But Eric has been um, downgraded to bronze for for th this coming season, so he'll be the designated bronze in that lineup. And um, we have a lot of other um, LMP2 entries that have sort of committed to the Rolex 24 in recent weeks. High class racing, um, um, Setelar racing with its Delara. Uh, Inter-Europol with its um, Orica. All three of the teams were are sort of going over to Daytona prior to the 12-hour prior to Sebring for the for the WEC season opener. So so it's interesting to sort of see how that dynamic is working um, in getting some additional European teams for the Rolex 24. We also had the news that Era Motorsport will contest yeah. Daytona after skipping the last few races of the of this year's season. Um, so all of a sudden, LMP2 is looking really good. Um, I'm still a little bit concerned for the full season count, but I think for the endurance races, it's going to be uh, pretty pretty good. I thought it was interesting what Ben Keating said uh, uh, about the financial side of it, John, and and he's talking mm -hmm. about doing possibly a, a double a double program, one in WEC in in GT. E, GT Le Mans in yeah. IMSA terminology, and a prototype program either in P2 or, or P3 in the WeatherTech Championship. We'll talk about the addition of P3. And he said, you know, basically when you look at a, a, a six-round WEC Championship, it's about the same sort of money for that in, a, in the top GT class as it would be to go prototype racing across a, 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 a pretty full season in IMSA. That's interesting to me. 
It is. And and when you look at the calendar, you know, Ben explained that he really only can do 12 or 13 races a year. And when you add those two calendars together, either an LMP2 season or an LMP3 with WEC, that ends up being 12 or 13 yeah. if you count Daytona. So um, that's where the budgets are kind of the same, um, more or less. IMSA has always generally been on the expensive side, but WEC has been too because of the, the globetrotting nature of the championship. But um, going down to six rounds for, for next year, I think that's helping budgets a lot. Um, there's been a lot of interest in GTE AM in particular um, from bronze-rated drivers um, wanting to do WEC and maybe ELMS as well. Mm -hmm. And so much like what Ben's trying to do with two different programs, I think you're going to see some other drivers do the same, um, maybe just between WEC and ELMS. I like the fact that Ben mentioned the 24 hours of uh, of of Sebring as well in that as yeah. a, a sort of IMSA, the IMSA Kravetnik uh, event that's going to be um, about the time that we had the 12 hours uh, this year. That's already picking up quite a lot of momentum, it would say. Yeah, there seems to be a lot of interest for the uh, 24 hours of Sebring. I think that's, you know, it's effectively replacing what was the Michelin sports car encore on that mm. weekend. And I think we're... You know, we didn't have that race this year, obviously, because of the 12 hour. But I think it's a good time of the year for uh, GT3, GT4, TCR teams to sort of um, try new drivers, try some new setups, um, some new things for the following year. And uh, certainly, I think there's going to be some uh, uh, probably an increase in U.S. participation mm -hmm. compared to uh, the 24 hour series previous uh, events at Coda in the, in the years before. We mentioned one Acura story with Michael Shank Racing. Acura had a fantastic year uh, last year, and it you know, as, um, we had uh, Ted Klaus on on the show last week, and clearly they're getting excited as he's coming to the end of of his term of office uh, in the top job there. Um, it looks like we're going to have rather a lot more NSXs next year with a scramble for the championship winning car this year and some cars already being handed over as as early as pretty much straight after Sebring. Yeah, um, one's actually coming from Europe, we believe, too, a brand new chassis. So um, I, it's surprising to see this 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 interest all of a sudden from the Acuras, you know, it, it sort of seems to come in waves with, with manufacturers. Like one year you'd have a, a lot of Audis, you know, in previous years, and, and now they've been struggling for entries. And then another year you'd have a lot of Porsches. And then the next year you'd have a lot of, um, uh, another manufacturer, for instance. And so this year I, for, for 21, it looks like it's going to be Acura's turn. And um, we, we have a, a good amount of cars. I, I spoke to Lee Niffenager, the, the pro project manager for the NSX GT three program and he wouldn't confirm uh, exactly how many cars there will be will be on the the grid next year but there are multiple discussions with teams um, would he was staying a bit mute you know on, on who they go to obviously but we've heard that um, gradient has picked up a second car um, there's been talk that Magnus might make the move over uh, within uh, a car run by Archangel after uh, Magnus is split basically we have confirmation that Magnus is most likely not will not return with uh, Grasser next year. So that's been a big development in the GTD ranks there. And um, in terms of other Acuras um, on the grid, um, there's also the the possibility of, a, of another team as well. So there's um, definitely a lot of interest. You know, obviously the, the Schenck cars are going away. The, the entries are going away at the end of the year as they move up to DPI. Um, like you said earlier, with uh, Dane Cameron confirmed alongside Olivier Pla, which is 
a stellar lineup there. Um, uh, you start looking at the, the lineups in the DPI class, it's incredible to see the amount of talent that'll be um, fighting it out for, for the wins and championships next year. But going back to GTD, um, there certainly looks to be a lot of interest, and I think that we'll be seeing additional cars for the sprint cup races for sure yeah. um, if not a couple more for the full season as well on the Acura front I think the sprint cup's been a tremendous success uh, since it's been introduced by him so it gives it, it does exactly what it said on the team it gives people a chance to put a toe in the water uh, mm-hmm. and and find their feet in the paddock um, to mix metaphors terribly a uh, quick couple of notes uh, like Duval uh, coming in into the JDC Miller Cadillac and by the way that era story that John mentioned um, Paul Lupchatan and Ryan DL among the drivers there so we're talking again John about IMSA attracting and the IMSA teams attracting some quality quality driving talent here yeah, it's interesting with Ryan because he had long been associated with Starworks Motorsport, and there's a, probably a good chance they might be on the grid for Daytona as well in the LMP2 class. But um, he announced, I think, of, about a month ago that he was parting ways, at least for now, with Peter Barron and, and co. And I think this was because of this new opportunity with ERA. So um, it's also interesting that uh, Paul Loup Chatan will be part of that lineup because um, ERA partnered with um, IDEC Sport for the 24 mm-hmm. Hours of Le Mans. And I think this is a continuous continuation of yeah. that kind of partnership um, but instead going into the endurance races uh, in IMSA next year uh, we're with uh, on Midweek Motorsports series uh, what are we 15 now episode wow. 46 can you believe that uh, John yeah. DeGeese is with us John don't go away I want to talk a little bit about sporting regulations and that won't take uh, that won't take <laughs> too long I promise I've just speed read the 155 pages uh, John DeGeese with us uh, and we'll be back uh, in a little while to talk more USA news and specifically the IMSA news that's come out in the last week or so Midweek Motorsport, where John has just 48 seconds to tell you what's coming in the next hour. Uh, well, we're going to have to fit quite a lot in, to be honest. John DeGeese uh, will be back with us, as you've just heard. Uh, we have got your tweets, particularly for the Formula E super teams. Uh, drivers with the same names, but not necessarily spelt the same or you know Alex Alexander that kind of thing uh, we've got that's all on Adspec Entertainment uh, we'll have a bit of bike news uh, we will have some more USA news some more UK news and a bit of Nick Damon with some Formula 1 news as well he's eating trifle at the moment our big interview is next and we'll welcome back to the programme James Bailey who we haven't heard for from for a little while Plenty of reasons to stay tuned to RS1 tonight with HSR Historic uh, Midweek Motorsport Delighted to say that joining us on Midweek Motorsport now, a friend of uh, Radio Show Limited for, for many years, James Bailey, motorsport consultant, uh, so a man of many hats, I think it's fair to say, uh, and also the man behind the excellently exciting now let me what what's the proper name of this 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 sports car cup sports prototype cup james i want to get this right you've got it right it's the sports prototype cup which uh was meant to have its first full year this year but not many series have had a full year um so it'll have a full year next year 
let's talk about the Sports Prototype Cup first of all, James. There's a couple of things I want to talk to you about. Launching a a new championship, uh, always a very scary thing to do. It's a a cluttered market uh, in motorsport. You took the plunge for the Sports Prototype Cup and then... And then 2020 happened. Uh, I mean, hindsight's a wonderful thing, but what a what a way to get started. Yeah, we didn't pick the best year. Um, if any financial advisor was going to say, when, when, when should you start a racing series? Um, but we're proud of what we achieved this year. Uh, yeah, the Sports Prototype Cup is um, designed for, for, for a variety of prototypes, Um to fit in between radical level racing and LMP3 level racing. Uh, the key class within it, the main class within it is for the new revolution race car, um, which is a UK built carbon fiber sub LMP3 car. Um, but we do have classes for radicals and other, other prototypes within it. And we ran a couple of pilot races in 2019, set out a full calendar in in 2020 and like a lot of racing championships we had to delay the start of it until until the first of august but um what a phenomenal mini year we've had since august (laughs) yes everybody's squeezing a lot of racing into a very short time Uh, uh, where is where is the where does that championship sit then james and what was the the raison d'etre or the thought process behind it as i say it's a you know it is a cluttered marketplace in in motorsport at that level. Uh, who would you talk to to convince you that there was that there was a, a place for for this championship? Yeah, well, my company uh, Pitbox ninety one was working as a consultant to Revolution Race Cars, and Revolution Race Cars um, started two years ago. It's the company that is has been set up by the original founding directors of Radical. Um, so Radical over 20 years have sold over 2000 lightweight sports races. And Phil Abbott and the team that originally founded Radical decided to go and do it all over again. And that's where the revolution was born. Um, the Revolution A1 is a is a carbon fiber um, open sports prototype that is priced and performance wise sits somewhere between a radical and an lmp3 car it off around silverstone it's about five seconds a lot faster than a, an sr3 and about five seconds a lot slower than an lmp3 so that's that's where it's pitched and we discussed with with revolution having a one make championship for it and we felt that wasn't the right thing to do at this stage um so we embarked on a, a five-year plan um to build sports prototype cup that would have revolution as a class within it, but not the only class. And what we found is that most of the customers that came on board to run revolutions in the first year, funnily enough, were former Radical customers, um, the teams that you'd see in the in the Radical UK and European paddocks. They were investing in, in running revolutions, but they had Radicals in the garage. So we have a, essentially a two-tier series with, with a Revolution trophy and a Radical SR3 trophy. But other prototypes of a similar performance level are also allowed in as well. So it's yeah, it's a varied grid, um, but with some interesting new technology on it. I, I'm glad you you've mentioned uh, Revolution because that is a super story, as you say. Still very much a, a nascent organisation, just a couple of years in uh, to 
its uh, since its its formation, uh, and yet uh, you that particular organisation um, has already started delivering a, a number of cars. You've had races uh, and. Revolution, in fact, has been a Formula One support down in Portimao. Absolutely. I mean, we set out at the beginning of the year with a strategy and a plan to run six events, of which four were going to be in the UK and there were going to be two international races, one being the Spa World Endurance Championship support race, which did go ahead, and one being um, a season finale at La Castellet, um, which didn't go ahead because of the pandemic. When we ripped up the the calendar in the middle of the year and started phoning around for, we phoned every racing club in the UK, BRSCC, BARC, um, we looking for race dates to rebuild a new calendar. We heard that um, Formula Two and Formula Three and the Porsche Super Cup couldn't make the journey to to Portugal to one of the new rescheduled Grand Prix, and thought, why not? Let's let's call Formula One, um, and that led to a a conversation um, that we had to present the Revolution A1 to them because Formula One wanted a car of appropriate technology and presentation and quality to be to be on their support race grid, and uh, they said yes. So on August the twentieth, I think it was, we got the green light to launch a Formula One support race, and um, two months later, on uh, October the twenty fifth, we had seventeen cars line up um, just an hour before the Grand Prix and it was a proud moment after an exhausting eight weeks I bet it was I bet it was and I mean the thing was that was right in the soft spot for the pandemic so there were spectators at at Portimao at the uh, International Circuit of the Algarve and there was a good crowd there as well many more than I've seen for anything else there they did certainly do uh, the the business in getting people through the doors how important for that then for a for a a race car manufacturer in the early stages like revolution to be at something so high profile not just to put yourself in front of of everybody who was there but then to have that on the revolution cv to say we've already delivered this look at what we did Absolutely. It, we made a decision and we worked very closely with Revolution in both promoting the Sports Prototype Cup, but also through the consultancy work that we do for them. And we said, look, we've got this opportunity. Rip up the marketing budget, even though you might have spent that with us. Um, the best thing you can do is go and um, is go and do this Formula One race. Um, the profile that you get from it, the credibility you'll get from it. The Revolution A1 is now an official Formula One approved support race car. Um, it had to go through all of that, um, all, all, all of that criteria and qualifications there. And to be there in front of, it was a limited crowd, but a big crowd, certainly by 20, 2020 standards of 25,000 people a day. Um, but also putting the car, which is a fabulously engineered piece of kit, in front of some of the most influential people in motorsport. Um, and it's just a brilliant story because the thing that convinced me to to work with Revolution was their sheer focus, grit, and determination. And it's not an easy thing to start a racing car company. And exactly two years after um, James Abbott shook down the very first Revolution A1 at Snetterton on October twenty fifth, twenty eighteen. 
you've got those 17 cars on a Formula One grid. And it's just the team there um, with Phil Abbott and Roman Rousseau are the main main directors, but a small, closely knit team in, in Peterborough. Um, I think it's a real feel-good lockdown story. They've, mm. they've gone from, from one car to 17 on a Formula One grid, and it comes from sheer focus and determination. Great concept. Uh, Ford-sourced V6, Crate Motor. Uh, we've seen this used in motorsport applications uh, before. Um, I've driven the earlier version of that engine in a G55 Ginetta, and I know that there's, the, the, there's some similarities there. Proper carbon fibre race car. First of all, we should say it's a proper, proper, well-engineered, well-designed racing car. Uh, aero that looks and works and just phenomenal. It really has brought the whole concept of this type of 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 affordable prototype uh, into the 21st century by by some margin. I'm very impressed with what I've seen and having experienced uh, you know radicals uh, last year when I drove a, and raced an SR3. Um, I can only imagine how exciting it's going to be uh, in in the revolution. And the story just gets better. Uh, in these times when most people are hunkering down uh, and, you know, drawing in their horns and, and making sure that the whole marketplace is going well, uh, revolution expanding and expanding into a potentially huge market for track day and racing in the USA. Yeah, I mean, it's a British success story, not only from from making 17 cars or 20 cars now for for racing, but also during the pandemic to be able to open up new export channels. And this month, Revolution have announced that there's two new um, distributors in, in the USA, um, Revolution RSR, based in San Diego, and Essa's Racing, based just around the corner from Cota. Um, and Wes, it's you know, too early to say there's going to be a Revolution US racing series in, in 2021. There's plenty of series and track days and country club type events that those cars can perfect can be used in mm. um but the potential over the next the next the next three to five years in um scca and uh IMSA, IMSA types feeder series is to build a um a revolution prototype series in the states um and that's that's the goal um and uh to to have achieved that um in uh in a very difficult year for export and trading, I think is a, I say it's a proper proper British technology export story. I, I, I love I love this idea, and quite clearly, you know, we work with with IMSA all the time. We've seen how the IMSA prototype challenge has has moved along into where now it's a, an LMP3 uh, championship. The LMP3s have now also got their own class in the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship in 2021. So I'll be interested to see how that all works out. But you can't really expect somebody, I wouldn't have thought, who has limited motorsport experience or maybe has driven some track days or some GT cars to jump into an LMP3 downforce car uh, and be comfortable on the same track as... Um, 20 odd of, of the same cars or indeed at Daytona for you know one of the big races of the year with DPIs there so so the marketplace for a genuine downforce affordable uh, and reliable prototype 
to to make your first steps into downforce because I, I had to learn when I when I drove a uh, downforce prototype for the first time. Everybody's got to learn, James, and I guess that's where revolution comes in. It can be a means to an end, or it can be a stepping stone to further on. Absolutely. When I first saw the the, the revolution concept um, nearly three years ago, it there were three main there's three main pillars to the revolution design. It's the first is performance, um, the second is ease of maintenance, and the third and most important is safety. And on the performance side, um, it's definite choice to pitch the car um, at an imaginary level. Let's call it LMP4, and then we all understand the level that it's. Oh, that's it's perfect. Speed. That's perfect. And also on the performance, though, the design team led by Phil Abbott were very clear outright performance matters it needs to be something that is thrilling and demanding to drive for a professional driver but it's also as important to have something that is confidence inspiring for someone that's perhaps stepped out of radicals stepped out of genetas and is, is moving up the ladder and a lot of work went into the car having um being aerodynamically very well balanced so the the central pressure is around the middle of the car it's not upset too much by by turbulence from other cars um, and having a car that is quite playful and progressive, which is unusual for a high downforce car. And that was a key part of the design on the, the second pillar, the ease of maintenance. Um, you know, most of these cars are actually being purchased by teams rather than by, um, by drivers and teams when they're looking for a race car, it's a bit like, a, it's a bit like Eddie Stobart running a truck fleet, you know, that these things need to have minimal downtime. You, you, you can't, if if you're running a race car at the weekends and then using the same car to rent out on track days, Monday to Friday, you don't want the thing to be in the garage for two days. Um, and it's a really cleverly designed piece of kit. It's every suspension mounting point around the car is identical. So you only have to carry one part. The four, the four uprights on the hubs are identical. So same design but you just turn it back to front and upside down to use on each corner so again minimizes the amount of parts that you have to carry so they went into the design of this car just like i say like a fleet manager would if they were running a big fleet of trucks that the key thing is minimizing the downturn and making sure that if they come off the track for any reason they can get back on the track quickly and that third thing on safety um we find a lot of the the bronze drivers uh, don't like the phrase gentleman driver, but I think we all understand what that means. But they'd look safety is incredibly important. It's got a full FIA approved carbon fiber tub. It has a double halo, um, which is quite unusual for a two seater, two seater car. Um, and it's also a very wide tub as well, um, because the market for this isn't necessarily the 15 year old that's just stepped out of karting. It's uh, it's people that want to sit in a car with a um, perhaps with a driver coach alongside them and actually have some degree of comfort in there as well, which you don't get in a lot of other prototypes. Um, so it's a very wide cockpit, um, but a very safe cockpit as well with the full carbon fiber structure and carbon fiber crash box. So it's it's really those three things that make the revolution such a such a unique car and perfect for that step on the ladder. I think it's a great concept. Difficult to answer this question, I would, I'd say, but I'm going to ask it anyway, James. What next for Revolution and indeed for for the series, the Sports Prototype Cup? Uh, is is there an ability 
to st- sort of at least put some some lines in the sand for 2021? And how does 2021 look after a difficult 2020? A lot of people saying it might be even harder in 2021. How are you finding it at the moment? Yeah, I think we have to 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 make gentle steps um, in 21 um, regarding the cup. Uh, we don't want to have a 10-race calendar because that's going to stretch budgets too far. Smart. We're putting together a six-race calendar. Um, we'll be announcing that um, by the end of November. We are in conversations with with world championships um, about supporting them. Um, having supported WEC and Formula One last year, that's something that we'd, we'd want to continue. But it's important that we also retain a core UK base. So next year's calendar should have races at uh, three or four of the, the top UK circuits. Um, it will have an international um, FIA support race somewhere. I can't say where yet because uh, we're still negotiating. And the season finale will definitely be Le Castellet um, with four hours of track time um, in, the, in the middle of November next year. So it's a calendar that offers something to UK-based um, operators, the team, um, uh, race car, race hire teams, um, but also it gives international drivers uh, the chance to do a, a mix of circuits. So that's the plan. And then that will be year two of our five-year plan. By the time we get to year five, the plan is to have a UK-based series and a, um, a, a European series, mm. as well as continuing that that growth and that promise in North America. I wish you all the best in that. Uh, Tell the guys up the road at Peterborough, we're asking very kindly after them. It's a great British success story. It's a great motorsport success story. James Burley, thanks for coming to speak to us on Midweek Motorsport. Thanks so much for your time. We'll see you on track next year. Well, delighted to say that the founder of Sportscar 365, John De Geese, has been very patiently uh, sitting, uh, listening to what's been going on and uh, rejoins us now, or is continuing to be with us. 2021 Sporting Regulations, 155 pages, John. I have skimmed <laughs> down them. Um, thank thank you, Imza, for highlighting all the changes in red because it does make it uh, pretty easy. Uh, not a massive amount of changes um, in character of what they're doing obviously for WeatherTech there's a lot of uh, new bits of red that refer to LMP3 which is getting added to the points changes which Jeremy Shaw is going bonkers about because he's got to do the arithmetic at the end of every race they've been um, they've been ratified effectively Uh, and there's a few key driver changes and what happens if you change tyres and what points you lose and, and things like that. But generally speaking, it, it's it's tinkering around the edges because it, it seemed like everything was pretty well well sorted, John. Yeah, there's no huge surprises. Um, the majority of these changes were confirmed in a series of two different state of the series uh, addresses by IMSA President John Doonan earlier in the year. Um, the first one, which was sort of announced and 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 I think that was in uh, August, right after I wrote a no, actually, it was in oh, remember now. September. September. It was right around Motul Petit Le Mans. Yeah, so that exactly. must have been early. Oh, early was it after. the first uh, Atlanta race? And is that what's maybe, throwing maybe it that's out? what it was? Yeah, everything's blending together. I know. In this year I know. Of 2020. It's just, <laughs> it's difficult to keep 
track of things <laughs> and when things were announced. But anyway, um, so there was that the, that was when LMP3 was confirmed, and then we had the also the changes in the terms of the sporting regulations for uh, uh, pit. Uh, qualifying and points. And then there were also some additional changes that came out in a second state of the sport address, I think about a month later. Um, those changes were reflected in these uh, final the, these sport final sporting regs that were released um, a couple weeks ago by IMSA. And um, it basically confirms the new qualifying format for uh, a GT uh, Daytona. It was initially going to be this two-stage system was initially supposed to be run in LMP2 and LMP3 as well. Ultimately, now it's just in GTD where you have the the pro driver um, in in the car for the second stage of qualifying and the NAM driver um, qualifying the car for the grid position. And the pro driver sets the uh, the the points. Um, tally in mm. terms of the new points allocations for uh, qualifying there. So it's a little bit complicated. I, I think this is a move to sort of help um, IMSA determine the BOP in the class. That ah. way you have a pro driver with the the points, uh, the, you know, the, the allure of having an, at some bonus points for, for, for scoring to top qualifying position. I don't, I don't know if you call it pole or not, <laughs> because the pole position is probably still going to go to the, the AM driver. Correct. It's a little confusing, but I think it's an interesting development. We'll see how it all works out. I, I, I like the fact they're prepared to look at something different. And again, it, you know, we, we've seen down through the years, and it's happened in other competitions as well that have pro and AM drivers, getting the, the AM, mandating the AM to be part of the qualifying or the qualifying or the whole part of the qualifying, as it has been in, in the past, um, I think that works really well, and I've seen the confidence that that can give an arm driver who gets a set of brand new Michelin tyres in this case, gets low fuel running, and finds out what the car can really do, because that probably doesn't happen otherwise. And and I quite like that. I, I wonder if we we're, uh, we're trying to slightly over egg the pudding in this holiday period and make that uh, that pro part of it give that some meaning. I, 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 you know, and hey, we've had such close seasons over the last few years, John. Um, you know, a couple of points here, a couple of points there could actually make a difference, even in this new points tally, which is effectively added a zero on at the end of, of, of all of the previous point standings. But even those additional points for qualifying, that might actually make a, a, a difference, a distinct difference at the end of the season. Yeah, so the points are for qualifying are basically one-tenth of the points for the race. So what, it's basically the old system that we had the, um, with 35 points for the win and, and so on. Now it's 350 points for the win in in the races. But in terms of getting a pole, you'll be getting 35 points or top qualifying position um, in the case of GT Daytona, I guess. But it's an interesting one that you bring up about the, the, the point of bronze, bronze or silver-rated drivers qualifying in GT Daytona. I think a lot of people are in favor of that, and I think that's been very well received um, since Simpson Great. made that change quite a few years ago. But I've had some interesting um, reactions from some, some from some of those drivers, uh, not necessarily wanting to start the race, and mm. uh, that is sort of a mixed bag. And, and they said there was a couple, including um, Ryan Hardwick that I spoke with. He said he would actually would rather have the rule be where you can have a free choice of who to start 
the yep. car. Um, you know, that way they can sort of slot the AM driver in maybe in the middle stint in the yep. race. They're still keeping the 45-minute minimum drive time for a, a typical two-hour, 40-minute race, but allowing more flexibility and strategy. And this could have was, he sort of indicated this was possibly a missed opportunity by IMSA to maybe trial that for next year amid all these changes to the, the formats. Uh, and, and that is a fair point you make there and has been made to you, John, because I remember Jeremy and I talking about it in the Mobile One Twelve Hours of Sebring, that you know, and and also in Motul Petit Le in GTD in particular, you're looking to see when your bronze-rated driver or silver-rated driver has got their drive time done in those particularly longer races and that forms part of the strategy part of the the tactics and by the way for those who are saying oh 35 points when you get 350 points for a win yeah but the what you get for second by the way is 320 so if you're second and get 35 points for the top qualifying position uh, top best qualifying time let's call it from the pro guys that that's netted you 355 points that's more than you would get for winning so it is worthwhile and it will it will change the championship jeremy did say he was going to sit down this tells you how much time jeremy's got on his hands at the moment mr <laughs> he said he was going to sit down and work out how it would have changed the championship for the last two or three oh, years wow. <laughs> that'll be interesting for sure well, I'd love to see I, i'm not holding him to that i said you've said that now but i'm, I'm definitely not gonna gonna hold you to it we've got john de geese with us here on midweek motorsport uh, we're looking through the um the pile of news that's come out of imsa uh, recently um We've mentioned uh, Ben Keating. Um, ah, yes, now, uh, we need to talk about uh, AIM Autosport and Vasa Sullivan. It's no longer uh, AVS. It's just going to be VS from now on and potentially uh, in a different category as well, Job. Yeah, there was uh, news earlier this week that... Um AIM Autosport and Vassar Sullivan are going to be going their separate ways starting next year. Um, Vassar Sullivan will continue with the Lexus program in IMSA, while AIM is um, targeting to run a brand new uh, Toyota Supra uh, GR uh, GT4 car in Pilot Challenge. Um, this, it seems like it was a bit of an amicable uh, parting of ways. It was it. Based on what I've heard, it was it's more of a logistical um, consideration. AIM ah, is really? obviously Toronto-based. Um, they've had a lot of challenges this year during the pandemic, and um, the Vassar Sullivan or side of the th- side of the organization, along with TRD and Lexus, ha- had a big encouragement. Really wanted to have a U.S. base full time. I I understand. So um, they had a shop in Charlotte, but there was always difficulties in trying to get engineers and crew and everybody back and forth and we saw this you know we saw the development with some of the other canadian teams this year and imsa like faf um end up having to pull out for the majority of the season a team like compass ended up relocating ultimately to california mm-hmm. that was part of their ultimate plan but they sort of accelerated those plans because of the the border closure between um canada and the u.s and so i think the pandemics had a lot of effects on a lot of people and um i wouldn't say this parting of ways is a direct consequence of that. I think this might have still happened either way, but it might have sped up the the process a little bit and um, still no official word on what the Vassar Sullivan organization will be doing next year, but we do understand it will be with the Lexus cars, whether it's GTD or GT. Lama, I think that remains to be seen. Right. Okay. That's that's very, very interesting. Uh, from that, uh, we we've said goodbye, or at least 
au revoir to uh, one or two people uh, at the end of this season. We'll come on to Porsche uh, in a, a moment. Um, Wayne Taylor Racing, we're not losing them, but we're losing a couple of their drivers who were fighting for the championship right till the very end. Or are we? Renga, we know, Renga van der Sander, we know, is, is in the shop window. Um, is he the only one of, of their full season drivers? Because there was a thought that perhaps there might be a, an endurance seat still available there. Well, Wayne Taylor confirmed their driver lineups um, on Monday, and that it, that was with the news of Ricky Taylor coming back to the team, as we all expected. I'm joined by Philippe Albuquerque, who returns in the full season role with an IMSA after a year away. Um, he actually did only a, he did a handful of the races this mm -hmm. year in the 31 Action Express car, but when that team um, scaled back to a single car, he was left without a full season ride. So interesting with those two drivers um, being confirmed. Ricky um, obviously won with Helio Castroneves the DPI championship and um, Philippe uh, along with Phil Hansen won the ELMS and WEC LMP2 championships mm -hmm. so you have two drivers coming together um, with having won three of the major four LMP2 based yep. series over the year everything except Asian Lama so yep, that's going to be an incredibly strong lineup but in terms of your question about the endurance drivers um, absolutely um, it's a completely brand new lineup for WTR with um, Alexander Rossi moving over mm. um, as the Endurance Cup uh, driver in the Kanaka Minolta car. And then the fourth driver will be Castro Nevis for the Rolex 24 at Daytona. So um, that confirms what we had initially thought that um, both Renger and Ryan are out totally at WTR. Uh, extraordinary that two drivers, I, I mean, look, I, I'm not, I'm not passing any negative comment but extraordinary that two drivers who could easily have been champions at the end of the season are left without a ride um the changeover from cadillac to acura of course um what now for those two and, and indeed for, for cadillac because clearly their challenge has been blunted somewhat well um we do know that Chip Ganassi Racing will field a Cadillac next year, basically sort of taking the place of Wayne Taylor. We haven't heard on the drivers yet on that front. We're pretty sure that um, that Scott Dixon will be in the car for the endurance races. Mm -hmm. He was initially tabbed to be the third driver for in the MSR machine. Um, but when the, the development came with Ganassi returning to the series, it sort of seemed logical for for dixie to be part of that lineup there for those four, um three or four races whatever it ends up being um if they need a third driver for Watkins glenn or not but in terms of the full season drivers for ganassi we haven't heard anything for sure anything nothing can concrete but uh, i wouldn't be surprised to see one of the two either renger or ryan yeah. part of that lineup alongside maybe somebody like richard westbrook or joey hand Ooh. other drivers that have previous experience or you know, previous relationships with Ganassi. So um, I'd say stay tuned to that. And, and a little bit of continuity in terms of, of that, obviously, brand new team to take it forward. But a little bit of continuity is always good. And if you've got a driver who knows what the car should feel like, then you've got a bit of a, a head start. In terms of them staffing up, John, do you know anything about whether they're taking people from other teams, whether it's excess capacity that they already had at, at Chip Ganassi? That's a good question. Um, I know when the Ford GT program uh, came to an end, they, they moved a lot of their mm. staff over to the IndyCar. Um, I'm not quite sure on where that's going right now for next year in, term, in terms of their new sports car program. You know, you look at somebody like WTR, they're 
they they're not getting rid of anybody because no. they're switching over to Acura. Um, Penske has is recon- I think they're adding a car in IndyCar if I'm not mistaken. Correct. Although I don't keep up with IndyCar as much as I no, should. Absolutely right. Uh, but Scott it, yeah, so, Okay, right, right, yes. So I think some of the sports car staff there will be moving over there. So it's kind of a mix and match right now, especially uh, as as we're getting closer and closer to the start of the season. Uh, and finally, um, we bid farewell, um, ex- in some ways extraordinarily, in this very bizarre year to Porsche as a factory team uh, and uh, from the top series at IMSA, the WeatherTech Sports Car Championship. Porsche, who I think were pretty much the first people on the phone to Dr. Don Pernos uh, when the ELMS forerunner of the current version of the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship uh, came together after that first Petit Le Mans in 1998 and then the full championship in, in 1999. Uh, I suspect that some of the personalities might well pop up again. We've already heard about Earl Bamber um, coming back, forming a, a, a liaison, in fact, and uh, with uh, with Hardpoint uh, and coming back to drive. Um, we don't know anything yet about the other works drivers, but, I mean, is this is this going to be, in some ways, a, light, a night of the long knives for, the, for some Porsche drivers, uh, supported drivers, when we get to their virtual night of champions or whatever they're going to do in December? <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of the placements for for the Porsche drivers are determined or the, the, the future futures are determined, although there are some holdouts right now. Um, I think it's fa- fair to say that three of the four drivers that we saw full-time with the, the core autosport run program will be in the WeatherTech Championship full-time again, right. but in different roles um, and in one driver's case in a different car, right. uh, a different manufacturer. But uh, we saw, like you said, Earl being confirmed, um, and we're expecting Lawrence to be confirmed with another um, customer team in GTD as well um, for the season. So, And there's been a lot of talk about Nick Tandy um, being linked to the the Corvette ride for, for next year, although not confirmed by GM yet. Um, our sources at Sports Car 365 indicate that he will replace Ali Gavin as a full season driver, but um, neither Nick nor GM have yet to make a comment or confirm that uh, that uh, that move. So it's interesting for sure um, to, to see what's happening to, uh, you know, the the what's what's happened to the class what's happened to those drivers i'm not too quite sure about fred mcavecki mm. if he's going to have anything in the states or maybe they're going to use him back in europe or what his contract status is with porsche because um you know obviously losing two cars in gtlm you're going to have to find places for these drivers somewhere and yeah. while a couple of them have found homes look 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 to be finding homes in in america again it, it sort of does shake things up a little bit you know on the overall allocation you know I, I, we've, I, I, do you see those two guys that you've mentioned there, Lawrence uh, and and Earl, do you see them still being Porsche drivers then? They're still effectively going to be factory drivers, but just uh, as Porsche tends to do, loan them out to quote-unquote customer teams? Yeah, I think they both will continue, especially with the eye of Porsche potentially going to LMDH. There's mm. no doubt that both of those guys and, and others are really wi- hoping to be at the top of the list if yeah. Porsche does give the, the green light and we know that a decision should be made by the end of the year and whether they'll be whether Porsche will be entering LMDH so it's a bit of a crucial couple next next 60 days or so to, to find out more details on that I, I've said it on this program before John I, I was told um, by somebody very close to that 
decision making process that that decision would have to be made by the end of this month so we're only mm-hmm. a week away from okay. the end uh, of this month and and also that senior Porsche figures were working very hard to persuade Ferrari to try and come in as well to help them make their case to their own board interestingly uh, I- enough um we can't have you on without talking then, as we've talked about Porsche leaving GT Le Mans. Um, BMW at the moment uncertain. Maybe you were reporting it's just going to be the longer races. That leaves Corvette in a situation they've been in before. Um, although with the potential of some private Porsches coming in and cherry-picking races from Europe, particularly for the, the bigger, longer races, uh, I know that Proton were, were looking at that. Um, how, does, how does that go? And is this, as Doug Feehan said... Uh, on the Haggerty 25th hour, is this the opportunity for IMSA to lead a change in direction for GT racing? I think so, but it can't happen overnight. No. Um, there's there's going to be no changes to the regulations for next year. We will have GTLM. Um, how many cars show up, we don't know. We've heard conflicting reports about BMW, for instance. It may not necessarily be only the endurances races that they may actually end up stepping up to continue a full season effort. Um, you mentioned possibility of some Porsches. Um, I'm not quite sure about the privateer Porsches. I'm not quite sure about that. Um, although there are um, increased talks um, about a potential of a Ferrari or two, we know Reese will be back for the Rolex 24. So that'll be good news, but no Weather other tech races. as well. Um, the WeatherTech team, they're talking about potentially making a switch to GTLM. Um, so it's a difficult situation um, for sure. And there's still a lot of moving pieces in the class. That's why I don't want to really no. say anything commit- committing because, quite Do- honestly, I think everybody's a bit in flux right now with that, that category. I, I did think it was interesting what both uh, Ted Klaus and Doug Feehan uh, said uh, to us about the opportunity to, to change um, the face of GT racing and and maybe to take a, a lead globally uh, on that. If you haven't heard that, by the way, that was Doug was on the Haggerty 25th hour straight after uh, Sebring, that's available as a, a, an audio download as well. And Ted Klaus was on last week's show. And they were both saying very similar things, which tends to suggest to me the manufacturers have got their heads yeah. together. Uh, John, thank you very much indeed. I know it's been a tough year for everybody. I've, I've missed having our chats uh, at the tracks and around Marion's. Uh, wish you all the best and your family all the best for Thanksgiving and for the rest of the holiday season, mate. Yeah, thanks a lot. And uh, happy holidays to you guys as well. Thanks, man. Tomorrow night at 8 o'clock here on uh, RS1, it's a tour radio show. And this week Ooh, it what's is on? Ben Williams and uh, Lewis Sattley. They, the praise they've given me is um, vague in the extreme. It says, we'll be discussing some racing news. And since it's Thanksgiving this week, that's what we're thankful for. Well, I, know, so I on, quite like on, that. Are they not leading with my fantastic victory in, a, in an iRacing event? What? Yeah, I've won a couple of races recently. Have you? I won a I won a uh, an, an oval race. I do like completely, one hundred percent by luck. We in, just I trundled. Was that round, an oval on spoon? We trundling. Race. I trundled round, and everyone else. I kept my head whilst all around were losing theirs. Excellent, well done. I ended up going. How have I won this? I was rubbish. Uh, uh, what oval race was this? The NASCAR. It was race? Just, yes, no, it was a um, truck race. Oh, even better. The trucks are quite difficult to drive, actually. Hence the reason I was trundling. Ah, excellent. Well trundled. Uh, let's and bring I in now, the tip with before, some... Before Actually, we move on, I do now know 
what is on tonight's historic racing news radio well show. Excellent, uh, Paul and Paul coming up Paul after and us Paul here. Paul are joined by Gordon Murray, mm. which I suspected anyway, and Jim Roller. Jim Roller uh, is looking Who's been back to Florida. at yes, looking back at the uh, uh, the historics, the Daytona historics, isn't it? Yes, um, it's nil nil, three one, four nil, nil two, nil one. Uh, nil two three one, uh, and uh, that's your latest scores at the minute. Nil two, which is a bit of a shocker. Uh, and in Scotland, it's one one three nil, one one nil nil, one nil, and one one. Uh, which uh, looks like the Lowland League hasn't kicked. No, that was also championship matches. Uh, yes, I know that. Uh, no scores for the Scottish Lowland League at the moment, which <sighs> I'm a bit disappointed because I was, I was looking out for that. Uh, your tweets to act. Spectatement have been coming in. You enjoyed the uh, John De Geese and uh, James Bailey. We'll have more uh, from James from the Sports Prototype Cup and Revolution just up the road from us here. Uh, they're up at uh, Peterborough. We're going to go and have a look around there and uh, try and give one of their cars a run out uh, as well. McLaren Philadelphia talking about uh, the Revolution expansion into the US says uh, S is racing in Texas well Dave O'Neill works there an ex-Formula 1 paddock regular and a real switched on guy smart partnership Michael Denny says really enjoyed the interview with James Bailey about the prototype cup well thought out series we'll look for races in the future uh, and if you want to learn a little bit more it's sportsprototypecup.com sportsprototypecup.com and uh, the uh, cars that we were talking about there, which were Revolution, are, if memory serves, revolutionracecars.com. And I've had to do that from the top of my head. Uh, but I think that's correct. If you, if you use your um, search engine and look up Revolution Racing Cars, I'm sure it'll find it. Um, also on At Spectatainment... Uh, Kevin Payne said, fascinating listening to John DeGeese. I've been so absorbed I forgot to tweet, which is very good. Sarah Rigby used the discount code RLM2020 last, from last week's Eve's Christmas Eve list uh, on Duke Video. Got 20% off the Blu-ray DVD of this year's 24 Hours of Le Mans, which isn't even out yet, uh, right. by the way. Yes. Uh, and A110GE has done the same thing as well. At Spectatainment. Uh, if there's anything, we're still looking. We haven't got anywhere near the full grid of Formula E, which I'm a bit disappointed yeah, at, come on. frankly. Where would still, you like to go? 15 minutes to go. Yes, 15 minutes to go. Um, so, historic racing used to come, then World Superbike 2020. Uh, we've, we've uh, our review, we've absolutely sugared Nick up to the max <laughs> to get him through that show. And he's on his third cup of coffee now uh, as well. well. That's not very Yes, much. I know. Where where are you going to now? Uh, well, I'm glad Nick's still with us. We're kind of going to talk about Formula One. Hooray! At last! Do you I remember just got to the a couple time, of... Yeah. You didn't get to the fader in time. <laughs> no, I... The, do you remember a couple of weeks ago, just ahead of the Bahrain uh, WC race, uh, yeah. we did a little uh, What Do You Know About Bahrain quiz? Yes. Vaguely, yes. We're going to do another one. Hurrah! Hooray, hooroo. Go on, then. Uh, so, question one. We'll That's give their first ever event. Nick. Yeah. And when was that, uh, John? Uh, that N- was no December 2003. There was two test events, a GT 
Cup event and a uh, and a Formula Three festival. And I was at both of those. Okay, question one is for Nick. The tarmac okay. at the Sakir circuit oh, is made from important imported grey wacker aggregate. From where? I actually know, and, on, then, and Nick's go. with me, and I haven't tweeted no, this. He's not, he's it's from Shropshire. It comes from a particular one particular place in Shropshire, and it's because it's quite big and chunky Oops. that they use it. Is that right? That is correct. And for bonus point, where might where else might you have driven on this aggregate? <sighs> That's at Dubai as well. No. In the oh, UK. Oh, Abu Dhabi then. Oh, in the UK. Um I don't know. I actually don't know. Is is it when they resurface? So in the second time? No, I don't Give think it is. Give you a clue. It's not a race circuit. Is it the M4? It's the M6 toll. M6 toll. Eh, well, not surprising. It's expensive. I've, I've never driven on the M6 toll, ever. I've, ne- I've only driven it if I could claim it back on expenses. <laughs> Which <laughs> is what <laughs> everyone does, Nick. That is so you. I know. That is so you. And I'm so working class that I won't pay for the road charge. You'd I rather really sit in the queue place. by the Bescott Stadium for an hour and a half. No, because no, no, now, no, you've got, now you've got Google Maps, you can tell there's a queue or not, can't you? Well, in fairness, the only time that I nearly drove on it by accident was because the road signs were wrong. Oh, they're very confusing. Right. Well, no, I was coming into it. I wasn't, hadn't, anyway. Got uh, broken, and I was in a long wheelbase Jaguar V8 supercharged xj that was me working class routes right there Excellent. with the responsible adult <laughs> sitting in the back it's on the way to a family christening Excellent. and i managed to argue that the, the signs were so confusing that they should allow me to turn around and go back without paying and you know what they never argued at all which tends to make me think mm-hmm. it must happen all the time mm-hmm. go on, tins, moving on question. Uh, next question how many mm-hmm. floodlights are there 186. No, there's more than that. I bet there is... I bet there are over 500. You'd be wrong. It's just under really? 500. Oh. So neither of you get the point for that one. Okay. <laughs> a bit harsh, but okay. Mm-hmm. How many are there, Tim? Just under 500. Uh, oh, you don't have an actual an figure, do you? Just under no. 499 or 6. I think six is quite substantially under 500. Well, you know how they count at Grand Prix tracks. Well, <laughs> true enough. <laughs> Come on. Carry on. The race total race distance of the two races in Bahrain uh, this year. Stop. Can I just say something? Yes. By the way, I was right. Oh, get you. The Grey Wacker aggregate is at Yas Marina as well. This man knows his aggregate. I do know my aggregate. Oh, it's a chip off the old block. <laughs> Very good. Very good. I've just checked that. Anyway, so go on. the combined race distance of the two races? Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, 620 kilometres. It's very close. 616 kilometres. Yeah, very good. Well, it has to be, that, though. If, if it's not Tyloon, like Monaco, all the rest are um, between two... I think maximum... Three hundred and ten or three hundred and twelve. They're using it? the outside oval, aren't they, for the second Excellent, one? Yeah, yeah. the super quick which one. Which is on the edge of being the fastest race ever, but perhaps not. They don't know yet. I was. Um, it's going to depend on. That's what the outer circuit, yeah, isn't it? Yes. Out, which is only two point two miles. It's 
they think it might, might take the fastest lap off um, modern lap off uh, Austria in speed. They're saying one o four for a lap, but it's all one minute four. One minute four. For wow! And therefore, it will possibly be the fastest lap. But of course, they, every time they predict things before, it's been wrong. Uh, either and it's going to rain, or they're a lot quicker, or B because the surface has been uh, changed, it's all gone horribly wrong. It's going to. Apparently, poor with rain this weekend. This, this weekend, weekend. Is the, but this is the that's the standard. standard track. Yes, good point. Go on, ask me another. Can you Please, just turn Nick up a little because he's a lot yes, quieter I have, than you at the moment. I have. When it's it rains, it really rains though. Yes, it does. And the drainage hopefully is better than two bywalls in January. Mm. <laughs> uh, Six hundred twenty kilometres incidentally is the distance between uh, the Bahrain circuit and the Asmarina circuit, which is uh, where ah. they're going to next. Very wow. good. Very good. Like that. Any more? Which driver? Will beat. No, he won't. Which driver? That's blowing it. Is close to beating Alain Prost's total of Formula One race laps. That's got to be Raikkonen, hasn't it? Raikkonen's been way past. He's done way more Grand Prix, and he's been in a very much more reliable era. Um, so we're looking for someone in the middle. Uh, I will go for Danny Ricciardo. Ricciardo is correct, yes. Mm, very good. He's 500 laps away. Mm. There we are. Right. So he, he won't do that before the end of the season, obviously. No. no. Moving on. Uh, the final two rounds of the FIA Formula 2 Championship take place at Bahrain this weekend. So the final but four races, don't you mean? Or just the final two races? No, the final two races. Final two. So yeah. you've got a round to go? I thought were two rounds to go. No. They aren't racing on the other circuit. They're not racing at Yaz either? No. Negative. I thought there were four races left. Uh, I'll let Tim check that I out. I may well be wrong, They're but I not. thought there were four races. No. Okay. So it's, it's, it's just a chance, the crowning of uh, of Mick, isn't it? Chance to win the championship. Mm-hmm. What else can we expect from uh, Bahrain, Nick? Um, it's a Sand. good track. There's normally a decent race, uh, even with modern F1. So I think that, yeah, there's a good chance we're going to see some uh, some action all the way down the field. Are they not allowing to have no spectators, or will no there just be no spectators no. as normal? They have. They are having spectators, but they are having invited spectators, right? Who are going to be. Um, Medical professionals and thank you. Very to, good. Thank you to the their their medicine. By the way, um, there are four races to go. They're racing at both weeks at Bahrain in F2. Are there? Yes. Right. When you said that, I backed out of it and bowed. Yeah, I, I, I knew there were four races left. Oh, very I, didn't, well I didn't know whether it was. I thought. Oh, I, I yeah. did think they were going to Yaz, if I'm honest. Uh, who is delighted by the return of Fernando Alonso? Uh, Fernando Alonso. I think Mrs. Alonso because she gets a chance to uh, have a few more weekends uh, away when she just sun herself. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, it's not the answer on the card. Is yeah. it? Is it another driver? No. Oh, is it? Is it Cyril someone who used Abitabur? to be uh, Fernando Alonso's boss? Oh, well, Fabio Briatore. Fabio Briatore is correct. Hey, finally! Hey, hey! hey. <laughs> Fernando, he's back, and I get, and I still get the cut. Marvelous! Oh, look at me! I'm even fatter with an even younger girlfriend. Hey! I used to like Fernando because he was very quick. He was incredible. I hadn't seen anything like him. He was so young back then. I watched him. We spoke and I put a contract in front of him after that conversation. You see that kind of talent and react quickly. 
Yes. Fernando and I are family. And he was and he was making me good money. He was. He was basically he's he's paid for several of his, his younger girlfriend's trips. Uh, Alan Prosser. envious, obviously. Sorry, Rob Chalmers says final F2 races equals final chance for Dick Tantrum Radio Gold. Mm. Yes. Very good. What what was the last uh, thing we heard about Flavio Brutori? Oh, a few months yeah. ago. He wasn't dead. Uh, he wasn't. I, mm. I don't know. He, he was putting his nose in about something, wasn't he? He's always putting his nose in about something. Yeah. He is rent a quote. He claimed that uh, coronavirus didn't exist and then caught coronavirus, if you remember. Excellent. Did he go to one of Helmut Marco's corona parties? <laughs> well, I hope he's completely recovered because for somebody his age, it could be very uh, serious on an ongoing process, couldn't it, with long COVID? He's only mm. 70, but uh, he spent five days in hospital and then uh, had to quarantine oh, wow. for 21 days. Well, I mean, the, the quarantine's a little bit stricter, isn't it, in Italy? You have to have produced two negative tests before they let you out. Cost he said, somebody a championship that this year. Mm. He said, if you followed the press, it seemed like I'd died, but I haven't died. I'm phenomenal. <laughs> See, I did tell you, sure, he hasn't that. died. On, no. Read that quote again. If you followed the press, it, seemed, followed like the press, it died, seemed like I died, but I haven't but died. I hadn't I'm died. phenomenal. I'm phenomenal. What's phenomenal about staying alive? Everybody listening here has managed to stay alive. It's nothing phenomenal about it. It's just what you do. No, but he's done it phenomenally. In fairness, he has lived a life, hasn't he? You, Most uh, of which is completely unreportable. Yes, but uh, whatever else you think about it, no, 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 Flav, 100%, he's been there, done it, made the T-shirt and got the T-shirt. He's made the T-shirt, worn the T-shirt, sold the T-shirt. Outgrown the T-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> made a bigger T-shirt. Yes. <laughs> and he's done most of it after the age of uh, 40 as well. No, actually, in fairness, Flav, actually, Flav was, did, did, did do some, I know they were probably, they weren't altruistic, but he did do some very, very uh, important and quite interesting things early in his career. With, with the Bennington brand and obviously um, developing Michael Schumacher and such like. Mm. And uh, uh, Flavio Brutori and uh, Jose Maria Lopez. Uh, sorry, I mean, and Fernando Alonso and uh, Jose Maria Lopez. And many other drivers. Wasn't Yano Trulli one of his? Yep. Yes, he was. Uh, for a while, if you weren't one of his, you didn't drive in his team. Yeah. Well, it wasn't official. Um, Mark Webber was his for a bit, wasn't he? Yes, that's right. <sighs> Very good. Very good. And that must be about all we've got time for tonight, isn't well, it? Well, very quickly, uh, on, the Italians want to bring back the banking at Monza. Yeah, I saw this. They want to run, they, they're going to resurface it. They want to run over races on the big bank. I, I'm sorry, have we not just, is this just not bad news in Italian? And in fact, they're actually putting two ATM machines in the paddock <laughs> when they say they're bringing back banking at Monza. No, they want, they want to run back around that over. I mean, it it's, needs a lot of work. It would be fabulous. But you couldn't run Formula One cars, surely, around there. No, no Formula One won't uh, won't use it. But you uh, have to run over specific cars, and it's very heavily banked, so it's very fast. So I'm not sure how they would make it even close to being safe. Wouldn't they have to put in a bridge somewhere? No, the bridge, bridge is, is still there. The bridge is the way on the run up to the um the final the, the sh- what's it called the chicane uh, up the hill. Ascari. Yeah, thank you. Sorry, I had to scroll through no, the roller decks in my no, mind. No, I'm getting old now. Uh, yeah. Did you? You could actually yeah, see me it, doing no, no, that. No, I was trying you? to catch up. I was, but, but literally, I was. Th- yeah, I was in your slip. You, you got away. You made a good, a good three or four seconds on the road for me there. Uh, uh, somewhere on on this 
piece we, of... I think we both have so many track maps from all the things we've done this year. Yeah, that's uh, that was one I drew for Johnny. That was uh, Road Atlanta. What's this one here? Uh, well, that wouldn't have helped think. because he wasn't there, was he? No, but he did it with us. Oh, there we go. You see? There we go. Well done. Uh, and it is indeed Ascari. Variante Ascari. So, yes, it was just a question of scrolling through that in my mind. Yeah. Right. Next week, we will have our picks, our nominations for the show of the year. In mm. the categories of what, Tim? What are going to be the categories? Uh, there'll be uh, the engineer of the year. There'll be car right. of the year. What? That's new. That's yes. new, he said. New, yes. Engineer, not engine. Engineer. Of right, the year. okay. Uh, right. Car of the year. Mm hmm. Power unit of the year. That's it, that one. Yeah, okay, right, okay. Race power unit of the year, presumably. If you have a strong argument for a non race power unit, you can put oh, it forward. Yes. yes, 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 I do. Bike uh -huh. of the year. Bike of the year. Oh, very good. I like it. Rally or rallycross car of the year. Oh. Off, so like off-road racing type yes. thing of the year. Right, yes. Yeah, okay. so if uh -huh. you want to nominate a bar, Dakar. a buggy or a yeah, yeah, lorry Dakar. that ran in the Dakar, yes. Lorries? Anything like that. Ooh. Very good. And? Young uh, driver of the year? Young driver of the year. Under 21 at the 1st of January this year? Correct. Right, Okay. Uh, non-driver of the year. Right. Yeah. That's quite a lot of people this year, actually. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to nominate me. I haven't driven I this year. I haven't driven this year at all. Not at all. Not used my license whatsoever. Team of the year. And team of the year, yeah. And, of course, driver of the year. Not race of the year? Do we not have a race of the year? Don't we don't usually have a race of the year, do we? Did we do yeah, that last yeah, we year? do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've added three more already. At the moment, we, I think we've gone from six to about 13 categories. We've got a lot more categories this year, we're, yes. We're turning into the Grammys. Yeah, very good. <laughs> uh, uh, and also uh, makeup and hair. Yes. But those those will have... Uh, those All the technical awards, of course, will be presented uh, earlier in the week <laughs> yes. in a, in a special lunch starts. ceremony. Yes. On yes. Zoom. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> very good. All right. Couple more shows tonight, so don't go away. Coming up next, it's Paul Tarsi and Paul Jurd, uh, along with many guests, including Jim Roller, as we have the Historic Murray. Racing News radio show. I was about to say, and legend, Gordon Murray. Uh, and then after that, uh, Nick and I back, joined by Declan Brennan for the 2020 World Superbike Review. Um, don't plan to be going anywhere. This could take some time. Um, we've had a bit of a chat before the show and frankly um, there's going to be some interesting chat there and we'll be back at 8 o'clock next week thanks to all of our guests tonight particularly to John De Geese and James Bailey uh, and of course to Tim Gray up in London Nick Damon was with me John Hindoff and the responsible adult was Eve Hewitt and to all of yourselves and one final one final note on Aspect Entertainment. Bring back the banking at Monza and modern cars might be able to get to downtown Milan if they just time the tangent vector right. <laughs> There's no time, to, no time to explain. The llama is off to find a slide rule. This programme is a Radio Show Limited production. Tell your friends there's more at RadioLeMond.com.